Welcome to the Director Download, powered by Campus Rec Magazine. It's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. Host, Grady Sheffield, the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University and the Senior Advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Ryan Hagen, Associate Athletic Director at Yale University. Prior to Yale, Hagen was at the University of New Haven and a part of Centers for eight years. As such, he shares what it's like to work for Centers and the business acumen he gained from it. Now, he finds himself at the unique beast that is Yale. Listen to the conversation to also find out what keeps Hagen up at night and how to develop a culture where employees stay. Hi, Ryan. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Grady. Great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, it's an exciting uh, Friday here in New Haven, Connecticut. Got a little snow going on. Fun times getting into work, but uh, it's a good day so far. Thanks for having me. Nice. Glad to have you. So, Ryan, listen, you and I go, go back a little bit. Um, so I want the audience and the listeners to know who is Ryan Hagen. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your path in Campus Rec. How did you get here? All right, so Ryan Hagen, who is Ryan Hagen? Very existential question there. I appreciate that one. Uh, maybe I have to do some self-reflection on that. But um, as far as campus rec goes, I think, uh, you know, um, I, I travel the path probably similar to most of our colleagues in the profession. Um, I was an undergrad at Rutgers University working at the desk. Um, I had that probably epiphany moment of I don't know what I want to do. Um, a, lot, a lot of people know, but my undergrad degree is in environmental planning and design. Um, oh, fits. I was doing Perfect. Yeah, I was doing a lot of computer mapping, uh, geographic information systems. Uh, the funny thing for me was all the stuff that I was learning then you can do on your uh, iPhone at this point, and probably even more than that. So I had one of those epiphanies, uh, and for me, it was a conversation with my direct supervisor, Paul Fishback at Rutgers, who one of those conversations, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but your job seems kind of cool. You, uh, you're with college students all day. You never seem to be at your desk. It was the ideal thing. From there, I went to Indiana State University where I did my GA. Um, and then um, I have a unique story as this as well, is that my uh, wife at the time, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, we were together and both getting our GAs. And uh, she had moved in with me in Indiana uh, without a job at a bachelor's degree. So we were looking to do something else. And then uh, I was sitting at my desk in Indiana State and um, through the nurse listserv, the opportunity to work at Loyola University or Loyola College at the time, uh, came onto my desk for a job that, in all honesty, at that point seemed like it was tailor written for what I was doing. Um, that was back when we were still using the words informal recreation. And that was my GA title. That was the title of this professional position. It was on the East Coast. Uh, my wife or my girlfriend at the time and my wife were looking to get back there. So I applied and uh, that was really the big start. And I, and I credit you said we go way back. Uh, you were the person I met off the plane. Uh, it was one of those those movie moments where you're like you had the sign saying Ryan Hagen and I had never felt so important in my life getting picked up from the airport with uh, someone working from a sign talked a little bit on the car ride to the restaurant uh, then I you know obviously I interviewed for the job at Loyola I worked there for a few years um, and then you and I were there for a transition I remember you were working in fitness at the time as the associate uh, uh, director I was the assistant director for informal rec and special events uh, few leadership changes there and who I was reporting to. And then we settled into our spots where you went to facilities 
and they offered me an aquatics position in the department. And at that point I had lifeguarded before in high school. So <laughs> that was a fun trial for us, a little trial by fire, but uh, we definitely made a great pair. I always joke around with anyone in the industry who, who gets to know us that uh, our skill sets are very different, but they complement each other very well. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, a couple of years at Loyola, then I took a, another position down the street at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, working for Bill Harrington as the uh, assistant athletic director for rec facilities and aquatics was there for three years. Um, and then my next position was a unique turn for me, something I thought I would never do. Um, I took a position with centers um, just like a lot of uh, individuals in our industry. I think centers was uh, it's something that people fear at first, but I got to know the leadership there. I got to know Jeff Sassine and a few of the other directors, uh, Mo McGonigal, and I saw what the culture was with centers and I wanted in. So um, I took a huge risk with my whole family and I at the time, my wife and my two and a half year old daughter, we moved up to New Haven, Connecticut for a job. And I was at uh, University of New Haven with centers for eight and a half years. And then this past summer, about six months ago, a job opened up at Yale University where um, I was very excited. Um, Yale did not have the best rep in recreation, um, but I met the new leadership here. Uh, Yale does report directly to athletics, and I met the new leadership, including Mary Beardo, our deputy AD, and they sold me on a vision. They had a vision for the varsity side of athletics, and that rec was their next big ticket to uh, move in and modernize it. So they were looking for the right person and can't, you know, can't ask for something better. I didn't have to move. Um, my, my children did not have to change schools. Um, my commute is actually shorter now, so it actually worked out very well for me. So I'm fortunate now to be the Associate Athletic Director for Payne Whitney Gymnasium and Campus Recreation here at Yale. Awesome. What a journey from stepping off the plane. Well, actually going to Indiana State, right, which yeah. was huge, leaving New Jersey to go to Indiana. As you know, I'm from Indiana, so I, I can imagine how that was uh, – maybe a little un, uneasy. Un, it wasn't, wasn't something you were like, I'm going to go to Indiana state. That's where I want to go. Right. It never works I, out that way. It never works out that way. Uh, and you know, the East coast sarcastic New Jersey person in me was uh, <laughs> it was a little bit of a culture shock. I'm not going to lie, but I, I will say, and I, and I've told every undergrad this for grad school, go somewhere different, go somewhere. You never thought you would go. It's two years of your life. You know, if you don't like it that much, you can always pivot along, but it's a great experience to learn a new culture. And it gave me a definitely appreciation for this, for this country. Yeah. Yeah. So your experiences at all the institutions you've been has, is unique, right? But similar in some ways, a look at your experience at Loyola, um, Hopkins, and now you're in the Ivy leagues, right? Way to go, big guy. Ivy league. Um, <laughs> And then the center's experience. So I'm curious, you know, state school came up through state school, undergrad, and then grad school, private school with Loyola, private school with Hopkins, and, and now Yale. But what, what did you learn from your experience with centers? You were there for eight and a half years, like you said. Like, what was, what was it like going from a traditional, what, I, what I'm saying, traditional programming sense, right, to the center's operating model? Um, one of the biggest things that attracted me to work for centers again was the people. It's a very people uh, driven organization. Uh, they rely on their staff. Uh, they rely on the expertise of their staff. Um, and the, you know, everyone thinks, well, it's a cookie cutter approach. And we all know this in higher ed, no two universities or institutions are ever the same. 
And Center's business model really tailors to the individual culture of that university. I mean, University of New Haven is a small private school in the Northeast, and then Cleveland State's a large state institution in the Midwest. So again, very different operating paradigms. But it's, it's the business acumen, and it's something that I never would have learned as quickly um, or as efficiently and thorough if I didn't work for centers as a director. I learned a lot more to look at your operation, not just as, an, and I think we all can share this who came up through, you know, the nurse at campus rep realm in the late 90s, early 2000s. The economy was booming. Everyone was getting jobs. You know, we, everyone used to joke around that there were the money trees of their university. Professional travel was, was ample. It took a turn in 2008 with the housing market and the decline in enrollment. And I think a lot of schools had to shift to that. And I don't think we were, a lot of us were prepared for that. Um, I know definitely probably prior to centers, I don't think I would have been. And centers was quote unquote that boot camp where I learned a lot. Um, I had a great mentor from Jeff Sassine uh, every step of the way. I had other directors at centers kind of guiding me through, but it definitely helped me look at our program and that figure out where that balance is between a very, very, you know, uh, a business oriented operation, but also supporting the mission and values of that university. Um, University of New Haven is a great example. I mean, that facility is not, there's not a, we don't, they didn't do community memberships at the time. There were not large revenue goals. It wasn't a revenue machine. It was there to serve the students, but it had to be run in a, in a way where every dollar was accounted for and was responsibly spent. And I, I give, give them a lot of credit the way they operate and what they do there. And, and to be honest with you, if I don't have that job, and I think anyone can say this, the job before you gets you the next position. If I don't work for centers for eight and a half years, I don't get the position I have now at Yale. Yeah, you're exactly right. A job before you definitely gets the next position, even if it wasn't, and you're not saying this, I'm saying this, even if it wasn't the best experience, right? Or it was challenging, what have you. So I love hearing you talk about the business side of what you got from centers, especially knowing that I tried to get you to give me some of your secrets along the way. Um, so you transition from centers now to Yale, right? And you've touched on this, that maybe they didn't have the best reputation with rec, but the leadership that that's there now, which you're a part of, you know, you, you like what they're doing. You like the vision they have and where they're going. So, so what's the biggest challenge that you have right now in your role at Yale? Uh, um, Yale is a very unique beast. And, and, you know, we talked a lot about the similarities to, to my institutions, you know, Rutgers, beyond it was probably the biggest difference, but that was a state school, but I was also an undergrad. So you don't understand how actually things work as an undergrad, even as a GA. Um, my experience before this was smaller institutions where for IT, for example, maybe a few people in IT, they do a few different things, but you always have that point of contact. Here are departments at Yale because Yale is not just the undergrad university. Really, it's it's more than that. It's the, it's the graduate program, it's the postdoc, it's all the research doing. So Yale is this very large beast of figuring out who does what, and that when you go into a project, you're gonna be working with multiple people from multiple departments who do very specific things. Um, I'll say that I, you know, it was a culture shock, no matter how prepared I was, thought I was prepared for it, and how much everyone told me about it, it still, still is something I internally sometimes struggle with and have to almost reset my expectations of how we're gonna be doing things. But, I've only literally only been here for six and almost not even seven months yet. And I've learned a lot. Um, the greatest thing here is I have a, a great team, not only of leadership of athletics, but uh, my counterparts on the athletics facility operation side and uh, the event management side and athletics recreation. 
Um, that was the challenge. Um, I think, you know, any large institution, the, the ship is, turns a little bit slower, but also you have to understand too, Yale is steeped in tradition. Uh, everything that we do is, is very, has a, always will have one foot in the tradition of this university, which my goal is to honor, respect, continue those traditions at the same time, modernize it. And that's the hardest balance I think anyone can come to, to come to terms with is figuring out where that balance is. Um, in my first year that I've, you know, uh, I've unofficially called year zero in, in working here was really supposed to be an observation. But as we've been moving, there are certain things that we just needed to address right away in terms of just efficiencies and, and software and, and, and programs and procedures. So we've done a lot. I give my, my team here a lot of credit. They've kept up with it. Um, and they've also had the opportunity to sit down and really work through the why. Um, I think one of the big things that a lot of directors get into, associate directors, any leader in our industry, is sometimes stopping and explaining to your team the why of things. And the why never, not a lot of times, and you and I, we had a lot of conversations over the years about the why. And, 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 and we could probably go back years ago at Loyola about arguing about the why. And, and, we were, and I always joke around, we were on the same page for a lot of things, we just took a very different approach. Um, and, and I've had to learn, and one of the things I've learned very well is the why. And when you explain the why uh, to a department, sometimes it's not best to explain it to the entire department in a staff meeting. Sometimes you really have to work with individuals because the why for me and how you're gonna get me to buy in is very different than someone else. And I've learned that, it's been a great attitude. And again, I give my team a lot of credit for keeping up with that and also giving the ability to be candid with me and just say, hey Ryan, I just need 20 minutes of your time. Why are we doing this? And then they can really see, okay, this is actually step one or two in a 10 step plan to get us where I think we need to be. That's, that's funny that you say that, um, the why piece. Yeah, part of those conversations were because of me because I get hung up on the why a lot. But I, for me, I need the why in order to move forward um, with whatever the decision is. So um, if my staff were listening to this, they would tell you that, yeah, they hate the why question. Um, but to your point, because I was going to ask you this. So you've left a situation, right, where you've had a team of campus rec professionals everywhere you've been to now. And maybe I'm maybe this isn't right, but now you're like the. Not only are you the director of campus recreation, which you've always been, and there's an expectation that the director has all the answers, right? Like I can remember on Monday, I was an associate director and on Tuesday, I was a director and I was expected to know everything. Um, so now at Yale, you're in athletics and there may be some people in athletics who have campus rec experience, right? But you're having to sit at the table with athletics leadership and really explain the why from the campus rec perspective, which they're not necessarily bought into. Am I, am I right in that? Yeah, well, there's two things that one, here we are, and, and, I, and I say this again, I would not have taken this position if I didn't think that they were bought into what campus recreation stands for, what we do, and how, the impact we have across our university. So that was the thing. And, and it's always, a, you know, we talk about interviews a lot where you're being interviewed. I interviewed the, the team here a lot, and I was really particular about sure. making sure that the next move for me was the right move. I mean. I had a great position at, at, with centers at New Haven, a great team underneath me, great support, a, a facility that was only, you know, it was only 15 years old, but it looked like it was open yesterday uh, and, and, and full university support. So when I came here, I needed to make sure it was the right move. And it was. And, I, and again, I, I, I go back to working for Mary Beardo that she's born into everything and everything that we do here. So she gets it. 
and and we always you and i've always talked about that, that that some people just get it and some people don't they get it here which is why i'm comfortable here the other side of that is the working under the athletics umbrella that's tricky and and i credit my experience at working at johns hopkins and, and really learning from bill harrington you know how to work in recreation under athletics and, and being that close and they're it's, you know, the buildings are connected. So you are literally dealing with the coaches every single day. Um, and if you didn't come from athletics, working in athletics can be a very, very challenging endeavor. Um, so, you know, I give a lot of credit to my colleagues who, in the country who are the one, two person operations who are constantly in athletics and maybe sometimes don't feel that they're getting the respect that they, they, they deserve. Um, but there are ways to help you build upon that. And it's really sometimes, again, athletics administrators, coaches, that we're all just people. So explaining it, we, we just talked about the why, explain the why you're going to do something and, and the value it brings to the institution is really is the umbrella that I think that we need to be working underneath. For me, it's, you know, when you, it's, everyone will talk about, well, the trickle down effect. If athletics gets this, then rec gets that. It's not always a trickle down effect. In fact, if you, if an athletic director, in my opinion, is, is, is intelligent enough and sees the, the larger picture at hand, what's sometimes really great for athletics is really great for recreation. And sometimes what's really great for recreation is really great for athletics. We can all talk about it. Most institutions, there are more students involved in the campus recreation program, whether it's intramurals, club sports, drop-in recreation, um, the fitness and wellness classes that will ever touch a varsity athlete. And to be honest with you, from a business aspect with a lot less staffing. Oh, absolutely. We don't have, yeah. So Again, that balance and figure out who you are. And also, again, you know, we talked about, you know, you said that I'm the campus rec person on our campus. The trust that I have here is good. And I think that's where, again, some places don't have that trust and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. That might not be the best institution to work for. But there are ways that you can work to gain that trust. Again, be confident in what you know. We have a great resources. And, and, and we always talk about this, you know, the, the hallway conversations that happen at our conferences, whether it's NERSA, whether it's the Campus Rec um, Summit, whether it's, you know, a NASPA conference. It's those hallway conversations that I think I've learned a lot on how to navigate those waters on. Yeah, ours are usually at the bar, right? Um, there, I, I will say there are always <laughs> a few. Uh, we do. So for those who are listening, Grady and I, when we worked together, had a standing Friday lunch. The students always joked around that it was our, it was our lunch date, and it was because that was our time. We went to lunch, and we, we were able to talk about a lot of things, and we still continue that at every conference. That, and one of the texts a couple months before any conference where you go to is, "Hey, we got to make sure we get a lunch together." Ryan, you had me at hello when you walked up when I was holding the sign, and ever since then, it's just it's you and me, buddy. Yeah, and so, if know, and if you want to know the greatest <laughs> Chipotle order, I can always tell it to you any time of the week. It's ingrained in my brain. You know, I don't eat Chipotle as much anymore. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're not around. So, so I think that there are a lot of young professionals or mid-level managers who have taken the same path that you have and are looking for that next opportunity. And it may be a director position. It may be in athletics at some place like Yale, not Yale, obviously, but someplace like Yale or transitioning from um, what is comfortable to something that is unique. What, what's a, what's the one piece of advice you give, you would give them based on your experience? Um, I would say when, when you are a, uh, entry-level professional, that, that first year coordinator, even a grad assistant, the more you know about this industry, the better you're going to be. Um, 
again, we went from a very specialized industry, you know, and, and everyone jokes, oh, well, that's an intramural person. No, that's the outdoor person. That's the fitness person. You have to know it all at this point. We, we, we have become this, this interchangeable industry. And especially with the, the great regulation, reshuffle, whatever you're going to call it now, people are being thrown into different areas that they're a little uncomfortable with. That's okay. In fact, everyone thinks that sometimes that could be a, 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 a weakness in, in what's in your kicking armor, but it's actually a great opportunity to learn about those areas. And you've got to be hungry to learn that because you and I can probably both share stories of things are like, oh, well, because I was thrown into aquatics, because I was thrown into facilities and we dealt with, it's not about always knowing the, the, the hard information. It's about the soft skills you develop about moving into all those different areas that once you understand the fundamental aspect of how a program works and what people are looking for in a program and why people recreate and why people, you know, pursue certain aspects of the, in their leisure and their free time, it's really just the concept of how do you meet their goals and how do you meet their expectations? So, you know, the, the one piece of advice that I always tell people is get involved, ask questions, try to do other things. Once you've got your job and your position in, in a good spot, don't be afraid to say, hey, can I serve on this committee? Um, can I serve on this committee? Can I, you know, if something else is going on a campus, would you mind And asking your supervisor, would you mind if I, you know, asked to be part of that? I think that shows a lot of who you are as an individual that you're just looking to get out of your, your comfort zone because, if we've seen anything in the past two years with COVID and, and, and the shutdowns and, and the reevaluation of our programs is that we really have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to be able to move and pivot at a much quicker pace than anything we've ever done before. I mean, COVID showed it again, every, every, every school that shut down in March, the next two weeks, every you know, vice president of student affairs or administrator is asking, okay, what are we doing for our students? How are we remaining connecting with, connecting with them? And everyone had to figure out ways to get you know, group X online. And I think you know, that ability to pivot that quick and, and leverage the technology at our fingertips is a crucial aspect of where we need to be as administrators. And only it's only gonna get, continue to get even faster in terms of how much we need to change and pivot on a daily basis. This episode is brought to you by Campus Rec Mastermind Groups. These groups are created as a space for executive directors and directors to present questions and challenges you are faced with in your position so you can leverage the power of your peers to help you succeed. It's a leadership accountability group that provides immediate professional development based on your specific challenges as a leader. Interested in learning more? Email Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. So you talked about the 90s and the 2000s, right, coming up, and I, I refer to that as the golden age, at least from my perspective um, of NERSA. Like you said, there was an influx of money, like with the money trees. We had a money tree at Loyola. You and I used to joke about that all the time. You come in and ask for something, I'd be like, let me go up on the roof and pluck a leaf off for you. Um, but that was the reality, right? It was, it was easy to do that. And so hearing you just now talk about pivoting. Right. And with COVID and how that that has changed the game, there's a lot of things that are going on um, outside of just COVID that are, that are affecting that. Right. Before COVID, we knew enrollments were going down across the country as a whole. And that's a concern for the industry. NASPA's talked about it. Nurses talked about it. And I think that's that's going to continue. Right. As people are evaluating the value, if you will, of higher education or the need for it that's going to have an effect on, on us. But as a, 
as professionals and leaders in what we're doing, directors of departments, how do you, what do you see happening to, to us as a profession, right? Like where, where are we going? What are we doing and about it and why? So Grady, I, I think we've all pondered that question. I think, you know, as, uh, as directors who are being asked from above, how can we do this? And sometimes, and if you're like me, sometimes that's the question that sometimes wakes you up in the middle of the night and, and Star Wars, you'll be like, okay, and, and really get into that earlier point, that existential question. If I had the exact answer, we wouldn't be doing a podcast. I would be <laughs> thinking you pay me thousands of dollars to give you this information. That's what we're doing. But, That's why we're doing but, this. And again, but again, what, for me, it, it's really about the instinct, right? Um, I, I think we, we've shown, and not just us, but our colleagues in residential life and, and student activity, student affairs, counseling, wellness, all those areas it showed how vital we are to a campus operation. And really it showed we had to put everything online. You know, talk to any of your students, you know, look at any, any you know, study, any, any article written. For the most part, most students, college students, hated online learning. They just did not enjoy it. It was convenient here and there, but to live their life on Zoom, to live their life through virtual programming, and there are a pop, small, uh, there is a population, I think, that really enjoyed that, that needed that ability to, to, to have that flexibility. But for the most part, most students who went to college went to college for the in-person experience. You know, it starts where probably you and I, even, even in the heyday, you start, you went to pick the university based on, okay, they have the major that I'm interested in. Okay, that's the right size institution. Okay, that's the right location for me. But really what sold a lot of people those campus tours Right, and seeing what those things that, how you fill your day outside of class and outside of study, how you make those social connections to, to your university. And that was really where we came in as a profession. And, and the, not just, you know, everyone jokes around, well, you know, Campus Rec, it's all about the physical wellness. In, <laughs> in my personal opinion, we are more social and mental wellness than we Absolutely. are physical at times. You know, to walk through any rec center on, on a night when all the programs are booming, there's a lot of students just sitting around talking to each other. And I think that's really where we became these campus hubs. And that's where I think we need to go back to and hone in on about what we serve on our campus and really creating this, this area again, where people feel welcome as the mass coming off. I know, you know, we're in the Northeast and, and, and especially a institution like Yale, who's, you know, very protective and, and making sure that our students remain healthy. We're still fully masked up for all of our recreation programs. But when those masks come down, we now have to figure out how do we reintroduce people? Because it, even students, you see, they don't really know each other because the masks, it's, it's a barrier that it's very hard to get to know each other. And I think that's where we're gonna come into play more. So creating more programming and we might have to be even more specific about in those you know, fitness classes, maybe doing some quick introductions, you know, and, and getting people to know each other a little bit more. So when you talk about where the industry is trending, I think we just continually need to support the social and wellness of every one of those students who comes through our door, participates in an intramural program out in your field and really show them that they have this belonging to this university or institution. What do you think we need to be better at? I honestly think, again, I think we've gotten better as an issue about pivoting and being able to, to move quickly and efficiently. I think it's only gonna get more challenging. And I think developing uh, professionals with those skill sets with those skill sets to cope, with those skill sets to just, you know, not to steal Apple's uh, thing, but think think differently about your programs and it doesn't have to be this traditional intramural program. Um, you know, it doesn't always need to be 
uh, a super competitive intramural program. I think, you know, with, and when we were doing all those um, lawn games, we were doing, you know, um, the cornhole games and, and, and ladder toss and all those, sometimes students were just happy to hang out and, and, and chat it up and, and crack up at each other. I think that was a good thing. I think keeping that mindset of it doesn't always need to be a, a high level intramural basketball game where, you know, the refs are, are the best refs at your institution. Sometimes it can be a little bit more free than that. So I'm curious, buddy, what, what's on your plate right now? Like, what is, what is, what's keeping you up at night as a director? What's keeping me up at night as a director? Um, I will say that we are going, doing a lot of great things at Yale and, um, you know, a lot of things. And I, 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 everyone knows that my, my wife, Katie and I are more her than me, but she's a, she's a Disney geek and loves Disney. And I'm, I'm in love with Disney really about the operations and, there. Um, of course. And, and I've been joking around my, 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 and everyone, I think all of us, we have those comments that we kind of use for about a week, two weeks, a month, and then it goes away and find something else. But my, my new saying this way is that you wouldn't have opened Disney World if you didn't have the systems in place. We are basically taking almost a timeout to rebuild our underlying systems. Um, we are switching, you know, we, we just purchased Connect2, which has been a fantastic software. We're in the middle of uh, migrating our membership software to a new platform. Um, and all those things, all those systems and all the work that's happening there, that's what's keeping me up at night. Um, and I think just the process of getting all that in. And again, you know, making sure my staff who, you know, a lot of my staff have been at Yale their entire careers, and which is a great thing. Again, they, they help us keep that foot in our history and our traditions and helping, but making sure that they're prepared as we go into the next endeavor and the next phase and, and, and do a little bit, um, you know, upgrade our programs and our, and our, and our, efficiencies a little bit more. How big is your team that reports to you? Um, it's a unique team. Uh, you know, I think and it, that's the joke, right? Campus Rep, well, you know, we're 20 professionals. We're 10 professionals. We're five professionals. Here we are a mixture of both what Yale has a manager in professional positions and some union employees, but altogether there are three full, uh, three full-time staff, soon to be four, uh, two union employee, two union administrative assistants, and then a few uh, additional full-time admit um, union employees who also cover our front desk. Um, there are times that just same thing when I was at Johns Hopkins, there are times where the traditional student model employment doesn't always work. And this is very similar to a lot of the Ivy League institutions that we do have full-time benefited um, positions that cover our, our welcome desk, uh, work in the building and helping support our operation to keep us going. So no student employees? We do have students. All? We have students. We have a team for the facility of about 50 students um, who run the building, but we also support that with some part-time positions as well. So very unique model. Um, again, I, you know, and we, we, we uh, connect to, and this is why I love that program and I don't pitch it to anyone, is that it allows us to, whoever's sitting at that desk to have the same exact training, the same exact information at their fingertips. So we always know whatever's there, the consistency is there. Well, I'll pitch it as, a, as one of the, <laughs> One of the founding uh, departments that use it. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, it's use everything it. We, yeah. Everything we would ever would have loved. And the memo feature for me when I have to push out, and again, with a facility that's shared rec and athletics, we've got a lot of changes, a lot of stuff that comes to the door. And this is, allows me to push out memos at a, at a moment's notice from my, even from my phone when I'm, uh, you know, driving home and I have to do something real quick and I have to pull over and type a memo. It's out to the staff right there. And that, that something's happening that night that they need to be aware of. So 
I'm intrigued by the, by the structure of your team, mm-hmm. because one thing that we've talked about here at Towson and going through, we had six open positions last semester mm-hmm. because of hiring freezes and they all ended up opening. We've got, we've got an IT position that's getting posted right now. Right. And, and we weren't seeing the applicants, right? People were not applying for jobs, of course, right? It was the great recession across the board, but in campus rec specifically, we had conversations with colleagues across, across the board, right? You weren't getting the applicants that you normally were getting. And you were, in some aspects, we were having to hire outside of the field. And so you have people that are coming into your department, at least I, I have, right, who lack the campus rec, traditional campus rec approach, right? Who are brought up as undergrads, grad school, right? They're, it, it's almost like they've been conditioned on what campus rec is supposed to be and how it's supposed to operate. You got people who are coming from the outside then who don't have that perspective, which is great. They bring something fresh and new. They're challenging the why, like we talked about, right? So one thing that, that I've been focusing on on our team is culture making sure that we are being transparent about our culture, backing it up, what we say we are, what we say we do and how we do it and getting people bought in. So ultimately, right, I, I know that people are going to leave because they're going to outgrow the position and it's my job to develop them, right? Help, help them get there. But I want people to stay uh, also, right? Same thing for you. So, how how are you how are you developing your culture from the campus rec aspect with the traditions of Yale the athletic piece? What are you, what are you doing? What what I'm I'm just I'm throwing so it out two, there. Like there's two things ahead. that again I've always taken you know bits uh, bits and pieces from from previous mentors of mine, and one of the greatest things that Bill Harrington ever said to me. If you hire good people, they're going to leave. Just flat <laughs> yeah. out. And then to compliment that, uh, one of my colleagues at, at New Haven, um, uh, Matt Caparell, he works in career development, great, great friend of mine, still keep in contact with him, even though we're only five minutes down the street from each other. But he said, the only constant in higher education is change. Absolutely. Those two comments alone, for me, are those aha moments, right? Those are, no matter who I hire, I can hire the best the best professional in that position. But the reality is, is, and I think we can all test this, my position, your position, there's only one of you at your institution. And if you have an individual who's got, who's motivated and who, and who's talented, they're going to be moving on. So to find them and to keep them for whatever those positions are, you know, three to five years, five to 10, we always, we always make those comments about, well, this is typically an entry level. So three to five, five, 10, not always. Some people really like their job and are happy in that position and they can right. stay there. So right. I, I think to your question of how do you retain them, you're going to do everything you can to try and give them unique opportunities. You know, we're not the private industry. We don't have salaries that if you don't, if you're going to leave, I can count and say, Hey, you know, for 20 grand more, we'll keep you here. If you find that institution, please let me know. Cause I think any of us will apply to work there, but that rarely happens with what we do. So when they move on, it's just a matter of finding another talented young professional or professional in that position to develop and to get a part of your team. And what I'm, I'm always looking for, and I go back to, to, to our relationship, complementary, the complementary skill sets, you know, very different skill sets are great, but when they complement each other, 
And they almost like that piece of the puzzle. Well, you know, the puzzle, the way they fit together sometimes works perfectly. Sometimes it doesn't. So I think really as a profession, it's, 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 it goes back to the networking too. Building a strong network of others so you can rely on when you have someone in the reference call. We all know we've all been on both sides of those reference calls, right? Um, but when you actually talk to a colleague who you know and you can trust and they're sending you an employee that you know what you're getting. Um, you, we, we have a couple of shared uh, people that have worked for both of us where we've met through the professional network. And, you know, when I've served as a reference for some of them, I tell you exactly what the honest truth of what you're getting, because I know that you're asking me for that. So I think that's very important to keep that team there. When that individual is on site, I go back to just giving them more to do, giving them more challenges and preparing them. And the reality is sometimes you're preparing them so much that they are now qualified to move on and away from your thing. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's actually great for our profession. It's great for your institution because let's look at it this way. If, if, if you have a coordinator position and you've developed them so much that then they move to work for me at Yale, that's fantastic for that individual. That's great for us as a profession, all right? And then the same thing I can say to someone else and say, hey, you know, you should apply for a job at Towson. The way they develop their team there is exactly what you want to be if you want to move up and on in this career. Yeah, I guess I'm intrigued by what you talked about with, the type of employees that you have on your team and not having that experience from unionized to more athletics mindset. Right. So, and part of me is wondering, so are you, are you, are you going to bail on their son and not go to athletic business all the time? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 I'm just kidding. I, I, <laughs> I think there's always, been, but I, I think I, to that point, you know, the conference that we need to diversify and go to different things. And I think we're, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to get to different things, but anyway, when it comes to the unique teams, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, we always want to throw, even I just did it before, you know, you say, well, that's a unionized employee. That's not a good or a bad thing. That's, they're still an individual. They're still part of your team. And keeping that culture with them is part of that. And making them feel valued as part of your department is, is very true. So, for instance, today, you, know, you said, what's on my mind today? Uh, one of my employees, um, he is out of for membership. So I'm going to be covering the membership desk for a few hours today. And that's okay. And that's right. okay. It brings me actually, I kind of love doing it because it gets me out of my office for a little bit. It gets me a little bit more direct contact with some of our members, which is always a good thing to be. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very uh, interested in learning more about your journey and your experience at Yale and how, how you're going to succeed. I think that, I think they hired the right guy. I'm not just blowing smoke because of the relationship that we have, but based on your experiences, right. I mean, there's so there's so many things that are unique about what you've done, but they all they all connect, and I think it's brought you brought you to this place. And like you said, it couldn't be more convenient. Your your commute got closer, right? And yeah. you know, with you 19, and Katie, nineteen minutes door to door. <laughs> yeah, you and Katie and the kids. You know, I know you guys are are happy up there, so I think that's great for you as well. So, Ryan, I appreciate your time today and chatting. Um, I think that there's more conversation to be had. You and I have talked, you know, about things that we, that the industry is experiencing, that we as directors are experiencing and how often, you know, sometimes we don't get behind the curtain, so to speak, on, on what we're thinking and we're feeling. And um, I'm going to be, I'm going to reach out again. Maybe we'll, we'll do another one. I want to hear more about kind of, you said what, what's on your plate today with the systems right? Comparing it to Disney World and getting that going. Um, I'll be interested to hear 
the success of that or the failures of that, not that there will be, but the challenges, so to speak, and then what, what's next on your plate. And so I look forward to potentially having additional conversations with you. So appreciate it, buddy. I, I'm proud of you. You're doing awesome. The, there's a saying, right? What is it? Like the, the pupil has uh, passed the teacher, so to speak, right? I think, yeah, but I, I appreciate all the kind praise, Jane. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those individuals, you know, yourself included, who really showed me a lot of things during the way and, and really opened my eyes to that, to what, you know, what our jobs and our profession really actually is when you, once you take away the programming and once you take away the, a lot of the surface level stuff. So I can't thank you enough. I was happy to be on the podcast today. Uh, looking forward to some more conversations and then I'm going to flip it one day and start asking you questions. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll, bring it'll it. really get into it. So I appreciate bring it. Bring it, buddy. Bring it. <laughs> All right, man. Good talking to you. We'll catch up uh, later. Have thanks. a good one. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.